Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Bench Units. My name is Mark. I'm joined by James. How's it going, James? Not too bad, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. And we are joined by a returning guest who said he hoped to be back here, but I don't know either of us believed him. But he's here anyway. If I told you we were joined by the best sixth man of all time, who would you say was joining us? Uh, Steph Curry, based on recent form, but... (laughs) We'll see what happens. We're joined not by Steph Curry, not by Manu Ginobili, not by Jamal Crawford. (laughs) Lou Williams, J.R. Smith, get out of the way. We're joined by Tommy Boma of RSV Landil. Tommy, how's it going, man? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Good, thank you, man. Thank you for joining us again. Such a quick turnaround since last time. But you are here because we last invited you on when you guys had just suffered a loss at the hands of Thuringham Bulls in the regular season. And you are here to take a victory lap at our expense because you are newly crowned, I think it's pronounced Deutsche Meister. You laughed at my German pronunciation last time, so that was a real risk for me. No, that was that was pretty good, yeah, Deutsche Meister. Yeah. Oh, nice. Congrats, Mark. <laughs> so, yeah, congratulations, man. Um, this is obviously a pretty big turnaround for Landil. You guys played Thuringen in, I think, February when we last had you on. You've since played them three times uh, between Champions Cup and the German League. So we're going to dive into those three today. But first, James has a new segment that he likes to throw at our guests to get things moving. So over to James. Right. So since you've last come on, the the news has come out that Mark is about to be a dad for the first time. So what I've been doing is I've been offering the opportunity slash forcing all of our guests into picking baby names for Mark's new baby. We don't know the gender. We know nothing else. But do you have any good suggestions for baby names for Mark's baby? (laughs) Best one gets it. Um... Mark's Mark's wife doesn't have a choice. I don't even know if she knows we do this. (laughs) So you, you already have um, guests before me? Yeah, we've had. So we've recorded with, we don't know when these episodes are going to go out because we have to be careful with when um, teams are making announcements and stuff. Yeah. But we've since had Brian Bell, Lee Manning and Rose Holloman. So you're the first non-native English speaker. So if you want to throw us some German names, then that's something nobody else has done yet. <laughs> um, think about it. Um, yeah, I like I like the name uh, Finn or um, yeah my my dog is named uh, Herbert but uh, that's not I think that's not a good name oh, for a baby. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to my wife after this and tell her deadly seriously that we're adding Herbert to the list of the possible baby names. <laughs> yeah, I think it's not a a good name for a baby, but. <laughs> Could we have a new social media segment where you video your wife's reaction to throwing <laughs> baby names at it? But like, you don't need to like video her without her consent, but just like record the sound of you being like, hey, Gabby, what about Herbert? <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that. As soon as I get off this call, that's my first um, first call. Cool. Okay, we'll add Herbert to the list. Do you have a girl's name for us? Herbert. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Basketball stuff. Um, I will level with you, Tommy. You guys played Thuringen in the third, fourth game at Champions Cup, which uh, I'm sure you remember did not go particularly well for you guys. 
And I texted James midway through that game and said, if I was Landil, the worst thing about this is knowing that I have to play them twice more. And you've since proved me wrong. So do you want to take us back to either in the game at Champions Cup or immediately after the game at Champions Cup and trying to figure out that mindset of, okay, we know we're going to have to play these guys twice more. What does the team have to do to kind of rally to get ready to play your rivals again? Um, yeah, maybe I start like like the, with the um, semi-final loss to, to Madrid. Sure. I mean, we were all... Um, we all wanted to to um, be in the in that final game, and then um, yeah, we lost to we lost to Madrid, and I think everybody was kind of down because we had some uh, people leaving the club, and we wanted to um, finish with with two cups for them. Um, so yeah, I think we were we were trying to to focus on the game because we knew okay we're gonna play them at least two times more, not three times um but i think we we didn't have the the intensity and um the energy we needed to to have on that day um so they just yeah were better on that day and had more energy and focus yeah i think um you guys were obviously both coming off disappointing games i mean we we talked when we did the roundup of the Champions Cup, I think the Thuringen and Albacete game was probably the most intensely competitive game of the whole tournament. Yeah. And yeah, I think they maybe had, like you say, a big emotional hit for you guys, but it was kind of more a, a frustration. You know, they get to take their, their fury out on you guys after they lost such a, a close one against Albacete. But I w- we'll get to this in a little bit. Um, but one thing I did notice that I think should have given me reason for positivity is that even when they gave you guys that loss in the Champs Cup bronze game, you guys held Jordi Ruiz, who ended up making the All-Star team, to a very quiet game by his standards. And that then proved to be the the case as you played them twice in the German Cup. Does stuff like that, those little details, and hey, we know we can hold this against them, does that kind of give you reason for optimism going forward um yeah of course i mean uh right after the game um simon did a good job like he um right after the game in the huddle he was like okay we need to we need to step up now we need to bring more energy uh in every practice and yeah and then before the game we were when we were talking about game plans we knew we knew that we um have to hold certain players under like for example, Alex, we have to hold him, if possible, under 20 points. Um, or Vahid. Um, M- yeah. Mission accomplished on the Vahid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and we know that's going to be the key for us sure. um, to beat them. Um, yeah, I think it was... The Vahid one is a weird one because he he was... We've been through this already on the podcast, but he was kind of outplayed it by Albacete with their size, had a good game against you guys at Champs Cup and then was kind of on and off in your two games. And Vahid's obviously been a, in his whole Thuringen te- tenure has been a very consistent guy and you don't see him have bad games often. So do you think 
my theory was that the Albacete game kind of rattled him and took him off his streak that he's been on. I don't know if you agree with that or if you would credit your own game plan more than you would credit Albacete. Um, <laughs> I think it, it, I think it's both. I mean, he he Vahit is a great player. Um, he he struggled a lot against Albacete, um, and I was I was wondering because I've never seen him struggling so much. Um, normally he's like you said he's consistent and you know what you get from him. Um, but um, yeah, against Albacete he 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 struggled a lot, and then yeah he had a good game against us in the third and fourth place. Sure. Um, and then the first final game, I think we, yeah, he scored one point, I think. Um, and I think we played pretty good defense on him. So we gave him the shots he isn't so comfortable taking. Um, and then you could see the game as the game goes that he, he wasn't really so aggressive anymore. He wasn't looking to take the shots. Um, and I think there was also because we played the way we wanted him to um, have the ball and take the shots. Sure. Yeah. I think the big thing is it's not the sort of, it's not where he was taking shots in your first finals game. It's the fact that he only had five attempts. Oh. I think that's a big thing. Like you forced him into, obviously like he didn't play, like he only played 29 minutes, which is a bit less than he normally plays. Like he would I'm trying to think where was he, what was he sitting at in Champions Cup? He was at ah, 26, never mind. Um, well, I suppose they kind of ran the bench at the end. But I think that's the thing. If you can force a guy that big, that dominant, into only taking five shots. But oh. you're talking about him being a little bit less comfortable against Albacete. Brings me to a question that I wanted to ask a bit later on, but I think it makes sense in here. Do you watch... Durangan play against a good team from a different league in Albacete and kind of take anything from it? Because I always wonder, it must be difficult to watch, like watch tape on Durangan that isn't you guys playing them because there's no other teams in the German league that really push them. Does that give you something else to look at if you see a different team playing them and kind of figuring stuff out that isn't just, it's kind of outside the box of how you guys game plan for them? Is that an element? Is there an element to that at all? I mean, of course, you can you can see um, if how how Albacete defends, and if they have problems with with their defense, and um, you can yeah you can learn learn from it, of course. Um, sure, we we play a little bit different because we don't have so much size and like uh, Albacete, um, but yeah, we were trying to to match up our big on Vahid and make his life difficult. So yeah, that's. That was that was one of the plans. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, I guess that I think what James says is like a really interesting point. And can, can you learn this? You know, can you learn from how this team does it? And it's like to an extent, yes. But also, can you learn anything more than hey, defense is easier when you have Lee Manning and Alejandro Zazue? <laughs> like, it's not the most replicable formula in the world. But um, yeah, matching up on size without getting bigger overnight is only. <laughs> so possible i guess but yeah but no there are elements to be taken from oh this guy is not as comfortable when he gets forced over here oh and i didn't know this or i didn't know that or i haven't seen like if a different team from a different league league gives someone a look that they're not used to i always find that stuff interesting that's what i love about champions cup yeah, but yeah. But, uh, i mean we we like 
there isn't there isn't uh, any secret about about Turing for us anymore because we play them so many times. Yeah. Um, so it's not that okay we know oh that's that's not a position he likes to be. I mean we we know that, but <clears throat> the way like maybe how to defend that he is in that situation is a little bit different than cool. maybe we <clears throat> we um, yeah. played it. So sure. yeah. process rather than the result. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. That, that makes complete sense. So I guess that. You kind of alluded to it there with Simon, you know, straight after the your guys lost saying, you know, this is what the goal is now and we have to, you know, up the intensity or get the most out of every practice or whatever it may be. So take us inside kind of those, those however many practice sessions, video sessions, meetings you had between your guys loss at Champions Cup and getting to play them in game one of the German Cup. What did you guys game plan for maybe differently or work on for yourselves differently um because i i went back and watched game one and two of your guys cup wins over them yesterday and i think i've spotted some things that you hadn't been doing all season but i'd like to i'd like you to to tell me that i'm right or wrong on this yeah um i mean video we only had uh, one video session um we usually do the video on on thursday nights um so we only had one video session sure. um but we had um i don't know how many practice sessions but yeah they were they were intense and we were pushing hard um sure janet was was um planning on things like how can we defend different um and i think the the biggest surprise was then that i was coming from the off the bench yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> sure. we're gonna we're gonna get to that we've got a whole, <laughs> got a whole segment on this yeah that how was, long did we get into before we mentioned that we got about 15 minutes in <laughs> I think we did quite well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we we said okay, um like our starting lineup, like the small the small lineup is maybe like it can work, yeah. but we have to have a like a good day and like our outside sh shooting has to be really good. So we need to um play maybe with with our bigger lineup um with our two bigs. Um that that was one big change um we made. Um how does that how does that conversation happen? Is that very early on in those couple of weeks, or does that kind of come to light through practices? Or like when when was that conversation had? If no, you that was that was that was very early. It was the beginning of <clears throat> of the um, of the practice week. Okay. And I mean, we have two lineups with um, with our two four fives. Yeah. That, um, yeah, the two four fives, and then Hero, Simon, and Kata, or it's Quinton, me, and Kata. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, these were the two options. And sure, and I think I think um, Quentin's had a relatively small role for you guys, but I think going back and watching those games, his minutes are are really quite valuable in terms of, you know, a, a three that mobile and who can handle the ball would start for the probably the vast majority of teams in the world, and obviously yourself going to the bench for the first time in Landil history that I remember was like the big story, but then it's like, Oh, they also have Quentin who's like an international level ball handler and shooter who can also come off the bench and carry five minutes. Yeah. yeah. They well, he played 16 and 11 in those two games, I guess is the other thing. That's, that's the other thing I was going to mention. Like you came off the bench, but what did you play? 27 in the last game and 29. Like, yeah, not like it. It's not like it's like, hey, Tommy, we're 
we're cutting your we're cutting your minutes down to six. Yeah, You're gonna yeah. have to spot three at the end of the second and third quarter. No. Yeah, or well, well, like the, the NBA big man rotation where in the playoffs where it's like, okay, you can do the tip off and then the first time that there's a whistle, we're subbing you out, and then you can start. The yeah. Um but yeah, this is we'll I guess we'll we'll hit you coming off the bench now, Tommy, yeah. because what I noticed from game one is that Rio obviously started, Rio and Katarina Weiss started in place of yourself and Yannick. Rio came out super, super aggressive in the first quarter of game one. I think he got nine shots up in the first 10 minutes. Um, I don't know if that was just him being like, hey, if this lineup doesn't work, I might be on the bench for the rest of the game. So <laughs> I'm going to get my shots up now. Um, was that a conversation that you guys had in terms of replacing obviously your own ability to create shots or was that just Rio going out there and doing what he does? <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, I think it was also both. <laughs> I mean, we know what, what Rio can do. Like we see it every day in practice when he, when it comes to mismatch shots, he's just, yeah, he's a beast. <laughs> uh, so, and he didn't, he didn't, showed it in the last like in the in the first half of the season he got better in the second half Um, but i think he still haven't showed it until like the final what he really is capable of doing Um, and it was that was one one plan that we have we have rio in the mismatch and basically can shoot over anybody besides vahid and alex (laughs) Um, it's not a terrible backup plan for, for if you don't get anything on your offense. Yeah, and and with with, with their with their defense, um, having like the big, uh, mostly Alex, like hanging out hanging out in the middle. Yeah. I mean, we have we have Rio, and they have to somehow have to guard him or switch out of the mismatch. Sure. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that definitely. was. Is, is Rio? I vote he strikes me as one of these guys who if you were to just watch a practice session, you would be like, oh, that guy must be the best player in the world. No questions asked. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> right. I love those guys. Like the, the, the practice all-stars, although he's also like oh. legitimately world-class four or five, but like every team has a, no, no, trust me, this guy's the best player in the world yeah. in practice guy. I love that. But it's the fact that you guys actually have a roster full of best players in the world makes it a bit less impressive, but he's so good. But yeah, I that was kind of what I found interesting about Rio's approach to the game was he, like you say, he can get a shot off over almost anybody in the world, basically, whenever he needs to. But I often watch Rio, like you say, specifically in the first half of the season. I thought he was maybe a little bit selective with his taking his shots he was always happier to pass and you know oh, I can get the ball back and I can shoot later in the clock if I have to whereas I think this game he just came out and he was like yeah if I have a mismatch I'm shooting this yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that was if he just had a good practice week or if he was like hey if I'm starting I'm going down swinging yeah, yeah I don't know what I I don't know if if that was um what he was thinking uh, I didn't ask him but I mean, it's 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 good for us when he's aggressive and we when he comes out there and and takes the like the first mismatch shot right away because that makes life so much easier for us because sure, um, sure. then they know okay he he's gonna take the first shot he's not gonna pass it away and wait and then maybe we have, we have time to switch 
no, he's taking the first shot. Okay, and we have to switch right away. Yeah, that creates so much space for for anybody else. Yeah, especially because the way Turingen play a lot, their bigs try and stay home as much as possible. Like if you can draw two of the biggest men in the world of wheelchair basketball five feet further away from the hoop, that makes a massive difference to the rest of how you guys play. If you've got that combination of mobility and finishing and sort of, I know you're playing too big, but you've got size on the rest of the floor. Like Simon's a really big two and Hero's quite big for three, five and super mobile. And, you know, I think, that makes a difference. Whereas if you get bogged down in looking for mismatches, if you're undersized against Haluski or Vahid and they manage to actually get matched up, you might be in some trouble. Like, yeah. <laughs> as you say, like that's a mismatch shooter until you've got Haluski on your footplate or Vahid more so because he's, yeah. he's Godzilla. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's massive. We, we've got so much mileage out of the Vahid is Godzilla thing. I, I think we came up with that like a year ago and it's probably made every podcast all week for the entire season. <laughs> the worst thing is I mentioned Vahid being Godzilla in the same sentence as I mentioned Rio and someone was like, I don't think you can like make Japanese men and Godzilla. Like, I, I don't know if you could do that. And I was like, I was talking about Vahid. It's fine, I think. But yeah. But anyway, I love how I made a really technical point. And that, well, not really, but I made like a roughly basketball specific point and then ruined it with a movie reference <laughs> but Rio's also pretty big <laughs> yeah and he like he's one of these people that it's like are you taller sitting down than standing up because he's not yeah. he's not the tallest man in the world but he's just sat oh. so like upright and the way he pulls it from above his head like yeah. kind of just behind it's, it's like no one's getting a piece on that no I think an underrated Rio point before we move on is I think he might be the biggest guy with the most compact chair for like a max height player. His actual footprint of his chair is pretty small. And you see some of these cuts he gets or like some of his positions that he's able to hold just because I don't know if it's like the width of his shoulders and like you say, getting his his shot away from above his head. It's like this guy should not be able to establish and just keep some of these shooting positions with you know, everyone's scrambling to kind of get to him. But yeah, like you say, I think he had the, like you say, Tommy, he had the best release valve in the business there where it's like, uh, our offense isn't getting what we want. Let's throw it to this guy and he can shoot it. Yeah. But we'll, um, we'll move on to you. So I guess question one here, do you remember prior to these two games, the last time you came off the bench? <laughs> um. Yeah, it was. I came off the bench this season once or twice, but I was I was injured or sick in the during the practice week, um, so that that doesn't really count then. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's a long long time ago. Yeah. Sure. So what was like you say you had that conversation fairly early on in your kind of prep for going into this mini series with Thuringen. What was the kind of how does it change and this links in with a question we got sent in from Mendel as well so I'll, I'll put this in here but does it change your mentality of kind of you come into the game a little bit later you're not straight in it from the start are you able to keep your focus you know do you have to think about things differently or do you just come into the game and do what you've done for the last however many years it's been um yeah of course it was uh little bit different for me um but um yeah i think like it was also 
it's a little bit easier to like you see how the game goes and um like then they have they have Rio they have to focus really on 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 Rio um so I have a little bit more space maybe because they had to focus on Rio because he was so aggressive and he was um hitting his shots I mean he was I think he ended up with 24 in the first game yeah get game one he was 24 and he was nine of 20 shots in in 31 minutes uh, yeah that's um, aggressive. that made it a little bit easier um for me then um and I think that that was also that was also um Janet's plan or what she was hoping what's going to happen <laughs> because they they were the last games uh, they were so focused uh, on me yeah. um so that was the first thing they they did like okay jump tommy everywhere um and so we surprised them a little bit with okay there's no tommy on the court um what are we going to do now <laughs> <laughs> um it's funny you say that as if you don't have a, a roster of world class guys who also need to be defended is <laughs> it no, but you know, you know what I mean. Like they, yeah, they were like yeah, yeah. really like trying to, uh, the especially in the uh, second game, like in, in February, yeah. when when they were jumping me like crazy, and I only had like seven points. Sure. Um, and that's that's also, I mean, it's for for them, it's the same. Like for us, like we say, okay, if we hold Alex and Wahid under twenty points, um, they struggle. Also, they also have world class players with. Jordy and Linden and Andre and Jens, but like if we hold their main main two threats under twenty, and I think that's the same what they they think about us if 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 they hold Hero and me under yeah. certain points, then they're gonna win the game. Um, oh. Yeah, I think because at that level it's not okay. So we just shut this guy down, and then we definitely do win a game or not. It's okay if we can pull this guy down from tw- like 18 shots a game to 11 shots a game. And then this guy who is a world-class player, but isn't quite as used to it as, this, you know, if we kind of yeah. mess around with their yeah. sort of hierarchy a little bit and we force someone into taking 14 shots a game who maybe takes eight on the average day, that's kind of, that's the margin really, isn't it at that level? But one of the questions I wanted to ask as someone who, whether they're coming off the bench or not, is expected to come in and put 15 to 18 shots up a game anyway in about 30 minutes, does your does how you warm up change at all? Like, does it affect you? Because if you're coming in and you're warming up and you're shooting for 30 minutes and then you come straight in after 90 seconds of a team talk, you're kind of still ready to go. But did you have to do anything a little different? Um, or could you in terms of not knowing when you were going to come in and knowing that you still had to be ready to, like if the ball comes to you first play of the game, that you're on the floor, that you still have to be ready. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard um, because like, like you said, um, you're warming up and then when you're starting, you only have like, yeah, 90 seconds um, talk and then you're back on the court. And if you're on the bench and you go, you sit on the bench for like five minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, you don't know um it's it's harder so i was just trying to to stay focused to um stay mentally in the game um and also read the game like how how they defend and what they are doing um yeah that was i have two more questions on that one which is what you just mentioned 
And like, first one is, did you, were you given any indication on when you might come in? Was it like, hey, we're going to start with these guys, but seven minutes in, you're coming or anything? Or was it just, we'll see how it goes? And the next question is, like, how useful is that as a scorer to watch sort of how they're defending where the little pockets of space would be? Or is that kind of situationally dependent? Like you're, you're on a podcast with two absolute offensive non-factors. So <laughs> like, please, please show us the way. Like, is that something that you can pick up from watching? Um, yeah, so first first question was, um, yeah. I mean, I didn't know the exact time. I don't know, like five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes. <clears throat> but um, they were telling Quinton and me, Okay, it's not you. You probably come in in the first quarter. Um, we make the first sub in the first quarter, so um, be ready. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so that also helps a little bit when you know. Okay, like it's gonna be like between five and six, seven minutes. Um, at, at that point, are you like a kid on Christmas morning, just watching the um, watching the clock tick down? You're like, come on, and give, yeah. <laughs> give five minutes, and I'll get in. It'll be great. Yeah. Uh, looking, looking to the coaches and saying, <laughs> uh, I wanted to see you do the best wick and have the basketball on the bench, just passing it between your hands. I wanted to, just, I wanted to see that just to keep the touch, but uh, <laughs> sorry, we, we we railroaded the um, the second part of the question. There is, do, do uh, you feel like you can? What do you feel like you learn from the game as it's happening and gets you ready to to come in? Um, yeah, I think it's. As a as a shooter, I mean, you 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 can see like, I mean, we know we know their defense, like how they how they're gonna jump and like with all their um, crazy jumping and being everywhere and being super quick. Um, but but you can see, okay, where where are like the spots where you might be open and sure. open for a, not for a long time, but for a catch and shoot. Yeah. Um, I mean, with uh, against. Against Turing, you're never um, really open. I mean, they are super quick and um, recover fast. And so you have to be like on the spot and be ready to catch and shoot. Um, yeah, but I think that that helped a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess we're to kind of wrap on game one of the series. One thing I noticed from going back and watching was that your guys' defense was you're, – you're welcome to tell me I'm wrong here, but I think you guys changed your defense up a little bit in terms of your rotations in trying to bait their guards and their smaller guys inside and force the dump-down passes. Was looked like it was a focus for you. You held them to 10 points in the first quarter and 22 points in the first half, and – so many of them were, you know, Jordy gets a dump down pass from Alex or from Vahido, whoever it may be. Brian's there straight away, you know, makes him pass it back out. Was it kind of in your guys' game plan to realize you struggle to match the size of Haluski and Vahid? But I think, as James pointed out, you do have size against their other guys, maybe. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. So the, the first thing, what was totally different is like our intensity and the way. The way we played defense, like we, we were hard on chairs and um they yeah they were they were struggling I think to get into the positions they, they wanted to be. Sure. Um 
yeah and then we had some some different rotations um like especially with like matching up our our bigs against against Vahid and forcing him to pass the ball to a smaller player um yeah that, that was that was our one of our plans so that Alex and Vahid has have to pass the ball yeah. away and into the smaller player and then we can pressure the smaller player yeah definitely uh, i'm glad i got that one right because i was worried i was going to um going to come out here with that theory and you were going to be like no it just happened like that it's complete complete chance that's going to happen someday we're yeah, going to be like thinking we're really smart and telling people <laughs> what they did and they're going to be like well no actually not <laughs> i think people might be nice enough to just let us have it yeah. <laughs> but i think i would hate that more like wondering if people were just humoring us thinking we know what we're doing definitely <laughs> um so I guess moving on a little bit from game one, you guys win that one 66-55. And we just talked a little bit about how you kind of prepped um, after Champions Cup to get ready for this series. How different does the week in between games one and two look as compared to, you know, bouncing back from a win is obviously very diff different to trying to gather yourselves after a loss. So how do you guys keep focus and keep, improving at what you're doing and you know get ready for knowing you're going to get their best shot in game two because they're the ones coming off a loss this time yeah um, i mean it wasn't hard for us to stay focused because we knew okay we're gonna play um in Turing. um we haven't won there for i think the last win was in 2017 when we oh, wow. we were yeah, we were close. Like last year, we were super close, and the year before, but we we never couldn't manage to win. Um, so we knew, okay, that's gonna be super hard for us. Um, they play at home. They they are super confident playing in their gym. Um, coming from a loss, they will be fired up. Um, so we have to be ready and focused and have a good practice week. Um, keep up the intensity um yeah and so there that was like so we didn't need more more um motivation yeah no more that was motivation enough yeah <laughs> yeah sure. um weird question and i don't know how much you take notice of them but what sort of adjustments did you notice between them, between game one and game two? Obviously, I think the team that loses always kind of goes home and kind of gets back in the lab a little bit more than the team that won. So I'm interested to see like what you felt. Like, did they play you any differently or did they play the team any differently between game one and two? That's a, that's a good question. I can't really remember much of <laughs> game two. <laughs> well, then it's a bad question. <laughs> um, I think like what, what we said, okay, because we were also um, thinking about, okay, what what they're going to change or how they want to play us different. Um, and the first thing was like, okay, they will come out with energy and intensity because um, they, are, they are tall and strong and quick team. So they're going to, they're gonna use it. Um, yeah. But like I can't tell you the specific things. Sure. I, and I haven't I haven't uh, watched the game yet. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, no. 
I'll let I'll let you in on a spoiler for um for game two is that there is no video proof anywhere in the world that you made that second free throw. <laughs> the video cut out just after you'd shot your first one. Although it, it has you on the line and then the video cuts to you guys collecting medals. So like <laughs> so I was gonna come on here and say it was all a big conspiracy theory and that there's no proof you guys actually won, but yeah. <laughs> seems a bit irrelevant after they've given you the trophy. I think uh, on our on our um, Facebook page there is the second. Uh, ah, okay. On there, yeah. Ayaka has it too. For oh, sure. <laughs> of course she does. Of course, yeah. Um, we, we mentioned not being able to watch a certain game on here because it was illegal to watch because you need a VPN to watch the Italian games. And she gave us stick for not watching it on her story. <laughs> it's like, hey, come on, man. <laughs> my, my actual theory with... Um, the video cutting out on Tommy's free throw was that like, as you guys were playing the, playing the final, the somewhat, somebody like high up in the German wheelchair basketball federation was like, Hey, have you seen what Italy's doing? Hiding these games behind the VPN. We should probably do that. And then like hitting the button just, <laughs> just as you were getting ready to shoot. Um, oh, God. But yeah, that probably didn't happen. It was probably <laughs> a technical malfunction that probably happened. you're right. Unfortunate moment. Like the best timing of <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well okay. Um the shot that sent you to the line, do you think it should have just counted? Do you remember it if you haven't watched the video about yes, that, I, I remember that one, yeah. Um if you ask me, I would say yes. <laughs> well, of course you would. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, yeah, I yeah, really I think it should have counted. Yeah, sure. I, I agree. Um would you have said it should have counted if it had been the other way around and Andre Binek had been shooting that shot and you'd fouled him or Jens had been shooting that shot, whoever it was who fouled you? No, you would have been like pointing to the floor the second yeah, like, you heard no. a whistle. Like just, even if you saw it, even if you didn't see it, you could have been defending on the baseline on the right and just be like, no, 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 ref, I saw it. I mean, to, really? to, be, to be fair, like also Jens came to me and was like, yeah, that, that shot should have counted. Oh, did he? Yeah, uh, oh, that's cool. So, yeah. I, I would have been the same probably. Okay. I would, I would say the same. Yeah, that is yeah. incredibly noble of you. I don't know many people and who, of who would admit. Shout out to Jens. Yeah, and of Jens. Shout out to Jens because that's a level of honesty that when you watch the Spanish league and everybody argues over every slight tap of the chair, <laughs> we need a video of Jens coming and telling you that that shot should have counted and it can just be like played on repeat in every sports hall. Um, but yeah, well, game two was obviously at their place. I think you played this one on Saturday and correct me if I'm wrong, but had you guys lost this one and it would have been 1-1, you then play game three in Turing in the next day. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, it would have been Sunday at yeah, Sunday at three o'clock. Yeah. So you would have had to stay in in there, um, what could generously be described as like an army barracks or it's, I, think um, we, I think we would have stayed in a in a hotel close to um uh, close to the gym somewhere. Uh, the the Landil the budget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think me, me and James have both stayed there for like were you there for a friendly, James? Uh yeah, we came and played those guys with like a GB, like the guys that were in Sheffield a couple of years ago, which was mental. Yeah, we did Euro Cup there one year, and it was like, well, of course these guys want to host. They have actual bedrooms, and they're like putting us on mattresses on the floor. But <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, 
like you said, they play well at home. It is, by all accounts, an incredibly tough place to go and get a win. Uh, they have a pretty good home crowd, obviously not maybe yeah. the standards that you guys have at Landale, but you guys got there and you guys went down in the first half. Um, and I think you were down by 16 at one point, if I remember rightly, mid-third mid quarter. And that's Down and 13 minutes to go, yeah. Sure. That was your guys' season on the line. That's, as you alluded to, a bunch of your guys, you know, last, if not last game, then last weekend with Landil. Where does that inner push come from to, to bring you guys back? Was it somebody having something to say in the huddle? Was it just, hey, we're all professional basketball players and we know why we're here, let's go and do this? I mean, so when, when we were 16 down, I was like, ah, I don't want to play tomorrow. <laughs> I don't want to stay here overnight. Uh, <laughs> um, and I think it's, there was nobody, like nobody said anything um, or did anything. It was just like, I think, Somehow there was suddenly okay. The five who were on the court, um, like it felt like okay, we now we uh, somehow we can't lose that game, even we are down 16. Yeah, like we we made some good plays, and yeah, our confidence came back, and we were like, okay, or I had the feeling like, okay, we can't lose that game now, we're gonna we're gonna come back and take that game, yeah. Momentum's a real thing, whether it's just purely psychological or not. Like that yeah. counts as real, if you know what I'm saying. But I remember watching because I heard you guys had come back from 16 down, and you made a little push at the start of the sec, uh, the start of the second half, and cut it to like I think just about single figures. And I was like, okay, 16 point comeback in 20 minutes, and then they pushed it back out to 16, and I was like, that takes real, real guts. I think. <laughs> making a comeback, having them push it back up and then cutting it again. Because I think sometimes when you're in a run like that, it's like, okay, this is it. This is the push. And then when they hold you off, that that takes a lot to kind of come back on, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's still thinking about it is still crazy because they, that we came back at their place from 16 points down and haven't won there for like five years. And yeah. It yeah, it's still unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it it is. I couldn't believe what I was watching the first time I watched it, and I was somehow equally surprised that it was happening the second time I watched it. And I was like, "This is, this can't be surprising." I know how this ends, but yeah, <laughs> just, it felt like. I mean, when we talked about it the other week, James made a point that they kind of, even as they were pushing it back out. Hero made some shots kind of at, I think, what were crucial junctions of the game where it could have got, you know, very easily from 16 to 20 had it been a miss and then a make on the other end. But yeah. it felt like Hero was kind of the one-man run stopper on a couple of occasions where he just hit the big shots as you needed him to. I don't yeah. know if that's <laughs> if that felt like that in the game or if you just came away afterwards and were like, oh man, Hero had 24. I mean, it it didn't didn't feel that way in during the game because you're so in the like focus and everything <laughs> with everything what's going on. Um, yeah, but but coming back, like like you said, um, probably if I watch it again, um, yeah, I will come to the same same point and say, okay, that some big shots. <laughs> yeah, 
definitely. I think there's a weird thing that we do on this podcast where you're like, did you playing in the game, being a number one offensive option and having to take 18 shots in 30 minutes, notice this weird thing that happened on the weak side away from where you were playing? And you're like, well, well no, obviously not, but someday. <laughs> it's a completely different game from like on the floor. Yeah. As, as it is to watching most of the time but we pride ourselves in being like here's this weird narrative that I think but that is that is the, the thing that I noticed there was a point where like Hero was kind of keeping you guys going making shots and then he airballed a three mm-hmm. and then you went pulled him and Yannick for Rio and Katarina and then Rio made a couple of big ones and I think you guys just had like Something that we speak about a lot is the fact that you guys have enough talent that someone's going to be on at some point, like someone's going to get going and you just had like someone to hit tough shots to like keep you guys going the whole way because like the amount of comeback pushes that get ended by just people kind of cooling down a little bit, but you guys maintaining it was amazing. And like something that I randomly remembered there was you guys really gave the physicality back, like the advantage that they have with being big and tough and mobile and kind of talking a little trash and whatever, you guys gave it back. Like there was a point that Yannick and um, Andre went at it and I was like, what is happening here? I was like, I would pay to see this fight. This is amazing. But no, like I don't, I don't really like any of that stuff on the basketball court, but I was like, Oh, okay. Cause like if a team's giving that to you, you kind of have to either match it or take yourself away from it. Yeah, and I, that that's also we we didn't step back. We were just like we were matching it, and I think that was also one of the big reasons why we came back. Sure. Yeah. I, on that note that James mentioned, um, Yannick is obviously your teammate and has been all year, and Andre Binek is your you know German national team partner going back uh, ten plus years at this point. I can't remember exactly how long, but what you, what do you, you see? What do you see when you see two of your two of your guys getting into it with each other? Are you like, I'm just staying out of this. I'm, I'm not being on anyone's side here. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you, if you count uh, juniors, then I know Andre since 2006. Oh wow! Uh, it's it's a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that's a that's a weird situation because yeah, you're friends with both and like so I. I think I wasn't, I didn't really heard what they were saying. Um, oh, it was nothing. It was like five seconds of. Yeah. yeah. So of I, I think I wasn't, I wasn't really close to them, but I was like, yeah. oh, good. That I wasn't close because I want to, yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything have to do like with that. that. <laughs> yeah. I always have stuff like that with like, if a club teammate and a GB teammate playing for a different club, get into it. I'm always just like, what, what are we doing here? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like everyone just, relax yeah, no. it's funny playing for a team like Bilbao where like everyone has to play on edge but I'm like no no one's fighting like we're, we're not gonna have a fight so like can we just play basketball yeah. <laughs> yeah. but yeah all right uh we got a question in from Mendel and it was what did you feel or think after missing the first free throw to win the game was there ever was there a little bit of like ah man I would love to have closed it in that first one or no. Yeah, I was um, <laughs> after the game. I was uh, I, to- I told um, our assistant coach that that I was just missing the first one to make it more exciting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but yeah, I was. 
I would have loved to to hit the first one and then miss the second on on purpose. Um, That's what I was gonna ask next. I was like, yeah. I missed the first one. I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Um, <laughs> but then I was like, okay, what the worst thing what can happen is that we play overtime. So I was like, I stopped I, thinking I and think it was just like, um, you yeah. guys would have been going into overtime with momentum then anyway yeah. because you'd come all the way back where. I'm sure you, you would have rather have not gone into overtime, obviously. But yeah. And Vahid was out at that point as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was. Uh, Alex was out. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yes. Yeah, That's the one. Um, Correct. I think the but, stats are wrong, actually. No, no, no. Alex was out. Yeah. We, Correct. We, we, yeah but, we were wrong, as would be expected. But I mean, but I mean it's like with, the, with this, these last free throws, I mean, it's um, something every, I think every basketball player, um, a situation every, everyone wants to be in one day i mean it's just just great to have the opportunity to to decide a game um yeah yeah is that i i would love to be in the like make the first one miss the second one scenario someday because that's so funny just to be like hey hey go and ask for your timeout see what happens (laughs) (laughs) um What one thing before we kind of wrap on game two, Tommy, is just looking back at the stats here. You mentioned kind of who each team aims to hold under 20, for example, in terms of making the game more winnable. So game two, you held Haluski to 20 and Vahid to 14. And that's on a combined 29 shot attempt. Whereas for you guys, you obviously went big with your lineup and started both Rio and Brian Bell, who I don't remember this from watching it, but combined had a very inefficient game where they were 18 points on 33 shots. If you'd have told me that you guys would have gone big to match Thuringen and they would have won the big man battle on those terms, I would have said they win game two. But this was, obviously, we mentioned Hero with 24 and yourself with 22. Do you think... How does it adjust your mindset when your bigs aren't necessarily giving you the production that they gave you in game one and you obviously come in and Hero's hot and you get hot? Does it just feel like, okay, we've got to, you know, our bigs aren't necessarily matching them today. We've got to carry it from a a shot creation and scoring standpoint. Mm. Um, Until you mentioned it, I I wasn't like, it didn't feel like they only scored 18 together and with like 33 shot attempts. Yeah, that, that was my exact thought when yeah, I Yeah, I was like, okay, <laughs> I was just like, oh, that's not so good. <laughs> well, uh, but it didn't feel that, that way in the game. Um, yeah. And I think still, they they still were a little bit worried about, about Rio getting hot at one point maybe. Um, so they still were concentrating on Rio, even though he didn't have his best game or like he wasn't shooting so good. Sure. Um, yeah, but but I knew that either that hero is he if he's hot then he's unstoppable. Um, so like I knew okay if if the bigs don't work we will we will figure something out. Sure. Yeah. You, as James mentioned, in terms of your guys' depth of talent, you've got enough options that generally on any given game somebody will have it but yeah. i guess that the flip the thing with rio is they announced just before the uh your guys series with thuringa started that he's re-signed for two years yeah and uh, obviously he had 24 in game one 
Yeah. And that made that look like an incredibly good decision. And then, like you say, even <laughs> that, yeah, right. as if anyone would have questioned it otherwise. But yeah, like you say, even just his presence in the game in game two, even though he's not having his best shooting game, is enough to, you know, make one of the best defensive teams in the world worry about the fact that he's out there and kind of open the door for you guys. But this moves us on to you guys have. Following this win, you've got a bit of a squad turnaround in terms of some guys coming and going. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Bell, Hiro Kozai, and Dominic Mosler, who we've actually, to say he's a bench unit's favourite, we've made it all the way through this episode without mentioning. Um, those guys are moving on. Uh, you guys have just announced you've got Matthias Gunter coming in. You've got some more signings, which we won't say by name, depending on what has and hasn't been announced at the point this episode comes out. But, but yeah, if if we have already spoken to this person about it, go and check the interview out. If it isn't out yet, it's coming. <laughs> have a look. <laughs> so in terms of that, coming off the win um, and then knowing your squad's going to look a little bit different next year, what do you kind of hope for in terms of being able to carry on the this run of success and what are your feelings about those guys moving on and the fact you'll have a slightly different group next year? Um, I mean, it's um, it's always sad when someone is leaving who's a part of the team for years. Um, like Brian was here for five years. Um, I'm really good friends with him and his whole family. Sure. Um, that's, that's really sad. Um, not only... F- basketball wise i mean also um as a as a person um same as with hero i mean hero and i are very close friends and dom also he's a great teammate um also he didn't play a lot this year um he was always pushing us and and supporting us and doing his best when he was on the court um yeah but that's that's how how um how the game works right um sometimes you you get new players um and i think with with matthias we get another a big guy the game will look different because he's he's a different player than brian he is more the typical big guy i mean he's he's huge um yeah he's a giant man yeah, like, yeah. i don't know when he grew a foot but <laughs> <laughs> yeah um that would give us when you, when you came on here in february i think we were talking to you about the german national team and you mentioned um Matthias as being you know you've said something effective you know he's young but he's he's really good and he's really got it and yeah. I, came, I came away from that being like yeah oh, that's probably a future Landil player if Tommy's <laughs> gonna gonna come on the podcast and say hey I really like that guy I wonder how long it's gonna be until he's in a Landil uniform <laughs> yeah it was only a couple of months <laughs> uh yeah but like he he gives us something different so we have a um like with Rio and him, we have two really big players. Yeah. Uh, our our game will will look different next year, probably. Sure. Um, yeah. For but. Sure. And what are you gonna do in the situation that Janet comes to you and says, "Hey, we're undefeated. When you come off the bench, do you mind coming off the bench every game next year?" <laughs> um, uh, Janet and Gu already talked to me. It's like I, I um um or don't don't get too um familiar with coming off the bench and I was like um, okay. <laughs> yeah, you're like no worries I'm not yeah. I yeah. didn't like it 
Okay. Uh, um, but I mean, like, I I don't honestly I don't mind coming off the bench. Yeah. And like 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 um I think you you said it um before like I still play like 29 minutes 27 minutes. Um, yeah. I mean, I'd rather start, but yeah, for sure. <laughs> if we if we win the um the cup, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you'll take it. Anything. Yeah, I, would, I would take it. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Okay. So we're going to ask you some questions that require less thought than what you've given us so far. So, <laughs> in your hypothetical arm wrestle with Mendel that we spoke about, who should be the referee? <laughs> um. One of us. No. <laughs> Both of us. So now, now, uh, Matthias is my my teammate. Now I will take. I will bring him. Um, is he the referee, or are you just going to get him to arm wrestle men? Yeah, I will, I will. I will be the referee, and he's. he's <laughs> you get to put someone forward. I like that. Uh, I think that this will get. We're going to ask you a um, a question a, a little bit about adding a rule to wheelchair basketball. But I think we could propose the rule that every game, instead of tip off, is the ball is awarded to the winner of an arm wrestle at midcourt. I'd be up for that. You have to put your ones in. <laughs> all right Yannick and Yitzka yeah. <laughs> I mean we have, with Yannick we also have, have a good chance <laughs> yeah, yeah he's the most jacked one yeah. in the world that's I don't know if that's true but he's up there Landil and yeah. Ringen would be great for that because it would be Yannick and um, Carlos Podniaks who might yeah. be the most ripped basketball player regardless <laughs> of classification <laughs> yeah I was going to say you would definitely see like teams trying to run starting lineups with just absolute beasts just in case all right we're thinking that we're thinking about this too much um last time you were on i don't remember if we got time to ask you but we like to ask people what the weirdest thing they've ever seen on a basketball court is did we ask you that i don't remember i don't think we did i don't think we did i don't know the, the weirdest right. thing yeah what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen on a basketball court talking about a disability sport you get a lot of good answers but <laughs> a lot of really bad ones too uh, wow. this, this is where the Landil shows up and he's just like, no, everything we ever do runs to perfection. <laughs> no, <Yeah>. <laughs> ever happens. I don't believe that. No, there's probably there's probably some some things. Probably some things I did because I'm a biff. Um <laughs> <laughs> tell me about it, man. Oh, <laughs> um what Probably yeah, like when we it was a little bit weird in the um what was it? Europeans in two thousand whatever. I think we played who did we play? When we like playing on the started to play on the wrong baskets. It was in oh, Netherlands. We talked about this when Greg was on the other week actually. Was it when you guys played the Netherlands? They yeah, I think it was Netherlands. I mean that was super weird. It's like um That's yeah, a uh... that shouldn't happen on a that's international, a vandal international level. Yeah. <laughs> That's a we spoke to Greg about this because I was actually at that game watching because it was yeah. in Worcester. Um and yeah, Greg said they'd played one of Vandalinden's club teams at Euro Cup, however many years before that, and Vandalinden had pulled the same trick on them there. And then <laughs> they they did it to you guys in the internationals, yeah. and the refs were like embarrassed enough that they just stopped the game and restarted because they'd let yeah. the team, let the teams get it wrong. Yeah. That, that, like, that, that answer's come up twice now in the weirdest thing you've ever seen. So that might, <laughs> might 
might be the winner. And That's so funny. yeah, as we, we alluded, the worst thing we've ever heard was what Rose told us, and it was about someone basically breaking their elbow. <laughs> this is the most disgusting story I've ever heard. Yeah. Uh, they went to stuff that's like injuries or like toilet related that we get from here and it's like man we're all so disabled like we're trying to we're trying to like widen the awareness and the sort of the depth of what people think about this sport and we're still just like people in wheelchairs terrible look um and yeah as as we alluded to if you could change one rule in wheelchair basketball or add one rule what what would it be so this is if you were made supreme overlord of the IWBF for a day and you could add whatever rule you wanted probably I would um, I would say that also um, non-disabled players can play internationally oh really yeah interesting you're one you're one of the I don't know how many international level players we've ever heard support that but that's interesting that you say that what's your What's your reason for that, if you don't mind me asking? Is it because Landil have this legend, Mark Bieser, that everyone <laughs> tells us about that we, we've never really seen play yet? Um, I mean, he's one of the reasons, yeah. I mean, he's, he's a good friend of mine, and yeah. I see how hard he works, and I think it's... And he loves the game, and it's yeah, it's sad for me that he, he can't be a part of of our... Or he's, he's a part of of our team, but he can't play for us um, in Champions Cup and stuff. I think that's, uh, and he works hard. And yeah. would he would he make the German national team if the rule was was in place? Mm. Mm. I mean, he has a chance. Um, he's a great shooter. Um, I'm gonna say not, not 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 the quickest guy, but <laughs> he can shoot. The, there's plenty of people who've made a career off of being not the quickest guy, but being. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's an interesting one. I, like I say, I think you're one of the the first people to ever be in be in support of that. But I think it. I don't know if it makes the game better. I don't know if there's enough able-bodied players to make it worthwhile. But yeah, I guess if you've if you've got one of those guys and you think they would help you, then yeah, I understand why you'd be up for that. And because I mean, like, um, what's the difference between between an able body and, for example, Brian? I mean, he ha- Brian has one of the best chair skills I've ever seen, sure. and I think no able body player could ever have that good chair skills. So, so it wouldn't uh, be unfair. <laughs> are you suggesting Brian should be classified up to a five because his yeah, he should be classed out for for worlds? <laughs> That'd be interesting. <laughs> like, if they. <laughs> made it if they made five pointers available and someone had such a minimal disability that they were just like eh. i guess the thing is it would take away the people who've just been classed out of the sport like it would bring them back in which i'm in favor of but yeah maybe yeah. for the wrong reasons yeah, like good point. yeah that's an interesting one um wow actual answer as well I don't, I don't, people are just like Give me 14 points on court, but an unlimited amount of players or something. Yeah. I I don't know. Um, we, we we're going to close the episode on this one. We normally go out with like some ridiculous rule that somebody's made up, but we've got an actual serious note to close on. So, yeah, don't know where to take the episode now. Um, other than to say, Tommy, thanks for coming on, man, and congratulations again. And it's been, it was 
really, really great watching you guys turn it around in the, you know, the cup final in Germany. And I'm really glad you've come and joined us after a win this time, instead of us having to hold your feet to the fire after a loss. Yeah, thank you very much. And it was nice, nice being here. Awesome. Do you still hope to be on again soon? Yeah, always. It's fine. (laughs) Well, we're... We're doing, we'll let the listeners behind the curtains a little bit. We're doing um, a series of episodes at the moment about people who are transferring clubs, which we're recording ahead of time. And then when the news gets let out, we're releasing those episodes. So if by any chance you're changing clubs, which seems unlikely, then you know where we are. (laughs) You don't need to change clubs. You're just welcome back anytime. (laughs) Thanks very much, Tommy. Thanks for your time. You can come on whenever you want. You can also never come on again if you don't want to. <laughs> it's so funny how the like the self-deprecation creeps through, even though we've kind of like cut it out mostly. Like when we first started doing this properly, we got messages being like, hey, don't don't sort of crap on yourselves. It kind of sounds bad. And we've kind of cut it out, but it still creeps through every so often. Well, so well, thanks for being here. Guys, thank you very much for listening. Hope you've enjoyed this. And yeah, like we say, keep an ear out because we're going to have episodes coming pretty regularly at the moment because there's a lot going on in the the off-the-court wheelchair basketball world. Uh, So yeah, thank you very much. And we'll be back in your ears soon. So peace out. Take it easy. Bye-bye.